0: Oh, I should do that. I should do this. I should do that. I should do anything. I should
1: tell you. I should tell you.
0: I should should tell you. I should tell you.
1: What is that from? Rent. Okay. (laughs) It's weird how I can get stuff like that in my head, but... What is it? Did you see what I posted on our Patreon? No. I posted an article about people keeping their babies in cages...
0: Thank you, because I've been getting, like, all these things are, like, babies in cages. And I was like, what's going on? People
1: used to, in New York, because your apartment's so small and it gets so hot, instead of, like, an air conditioner, they would attach to a window a cage that went out to the street. And they'd put the baby in the cage so it'd get a little vitamin D and some fresh air. Yeah. And give you some space.
0: Yeah. Well, you can't be. Also, for the record, you know they still do that. Who does that? The Hasidic community. If you shut the front door, are you no, kidding me? Actually, and since when do I not cuss? <laughs> well, we're talking about babies in cages. I mean, you're right. I didn't also, want to cuss you know, around what's really them. Really wild is you know who else does it? The government. Truly. Really? If you walk down Bedford Avenue, there's a bunch of apartments with, like, a weird, like, three-dimensional cage. And you're like, that's weird. Is that a cage for an air conditioning unit? And it's like, no, 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 silly Carrie. That's well, a baby that's cage. That's a baby cage. Of course. And haven't you heard, like, horrifying stories of cages? Like, there's, like... No. Okay, I'm not going to tell you them because they're really awful. Oh, like, my <laughs> God! They're really bad. Yeah. Really fucking bad.
1: Guess we know what I'm going to be Googling.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe we do that for a teeny tiny creepily. It's like the horrible. It's pretty wild. I mean, realistically, I I understand the need if you're like the baby needs fresh air. But like, come on. And New York doesn't have a lot of outdoor space. Uh, I have a suggestion. Go
1: Go downstairs.
0: downstairs,
1: (laughs) Take your baby outside. And then come back in. Everyone's safe. Everyone got fresh air. No need for a cage. You guys know I'm Jewish, right?
0: Did you get a bat mitzvah?
1: I got, this is going to be is, controversial. It's, it's bar
0: mitzvah for boys, bat mitzvah for girls. And apparently a new, like, gender neutral thing, be mitzvah. Oh, cool. Which I actually love the idea of a be mitzvah. Um,
1: I did get. Uh, a bat mitzvah when I was 25 in Israel. Rad. So about as serious a one as you can have if you haven't had one and you're 25 and you're on birthright.
0: Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Controversial. their Birthright is controversial. I love asking my friends what their bar bat mitzvah, their be mitzvah theme was. I adore it because I feel like you really can get to the core of who they are as teenagers and you understand them in a really beautiful way.
1: Like my cousins was, um, who will not be named, was that he was famous. So (laughs) it was like fake paparazzi in front of the place where we came. Yes, And it was like um, which is only depressing now that I think about it that that would probably be a gig you and I would get. Oh, that we'd be those photographers and we'd be like, we'd we'd be be like be... please speak to us, Zach. Da, 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 da. So you did like, name fake him. Fake inter- I named my cousin. <laughs> Oops. Well, there you go, Zach. I'm sorry. That's on you. That was your 13 year old decision that you wanted to act like you were famous and like the party favors were like fake newspapers about yes. him.
0: Yes, who did the copy? I want to know, it was his mom. I bet it was just like some great articles or like, I I have a friend who had um, a butterfly themed and each table was like a different butterfly. I mean, it's really like giving the reins over to, to a 13 year old. And it's like a wedding. It's, it's. I work for a greeting card company and people we, spend money on this. It is a fucking extravagant.
1: You're a man now, Zach.
0: You're a man now. A famous man. A famous man. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course all my theater friends usually it's like i did broadway themed and each table was a different broadway show and i got to sit at cats <laughs>
1: and i got to sit at rent that's
0: what made, i, I just, should
1: tell you i, I should, should tell, tell you
0: <laughs> so dear readers if you um are jewish please let us know what your be mitzvah theme was i am dying to know and also i I'm imagining what it would be like to be there, and I, I honestly, it comes from a place of pure jealousy. That again, like I couldn't even decorate my room growing up, like let alone like, pick pick alone the theme pick a of a party. fifty thousand dollar party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I was, we get you. My birthday parties was like pool party with pizza. It was sick. It was great. But like that sounds great. That's like, and that's how I feel as an adult. I'm like, I'm not spending. I'm doing a pizza. I just was watching. Pizza um, party the best party. Real Housewives of New Jersey, and one of the fights they had was like, I actually wasn't watching it, it was just a clip on the social medias, and I love watching the drama just like in little amuse-bouches, and one of the fights was this woman being like, you just served pizza at your kid's birthday party? Like, do you have any integrity whatsoever? (laughs) What? Like, that was a fight. And she's like, my kid wanted pizza and ice cream, so I served fucking pizza and ice cream. And she was like, you would never at my house. I would never serve you this at my house. You like, I love I, that. I would, you didn't have any shrimp? I mean.
1: A shrimp for- pizza is pretty good, though. I want to give a shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. Ashley? Monica, Jamie, Ashley. And two very important new Patreon oh, subscribers. No offense to Larry anyone. Posner, yeah. who um did you credit I stole his credit mm-hmm. card and I yeah. subscribed him to our highest level of Patreon
0: subscription. And I'd like to introduce the last one, but please continue. No, no. I think we're ready. Um, Drumroll Please Drumroll please. please. Uh So, last night, I was on the phone with our VIP uh, Patreon subscriber, and I had to teach her what a podcast was. And, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kathy Berry, my mom. Carrie's mother, who does not
1: enjoy our podcast or listen to it, is one of our newest (laughs) Patreon subscribers.
0: So, I had to... She's like, I've been meaning to listen to it. I've been meaning... Will you send it to me again? I'm like, why don't you do it on Patreon? She's like, will you send it to me again? Anyway... She became a patron subscriber. There's a picture of her listening to it. It was an episode where I was talking about my dad's brain surgery, and my mom is like crying, laughing, and my dad's in the background. And I don't know if they're okay with it. And I it's already happened. It's already happened. I told my mom. I was like, "Mom, you can't ask me to change things. You can't ask me to take them down." And she goes, "Don't worry. I'll you'll hear from me." So, if there is a massacre on our SoundCloud, it's because my mom has told me something is unacceptable. Yeah,
1: you you better start getting your friends to listen to this podcast because episodes <laughs> are about to start crashing down. We're gonna be like, we lost episode two, six, nine.
0: We and my mom goes fifty eight episodes. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs>
1: We've been doing this for a year, She's Kathy. She had
0: no idea. Uh, but I just love her. Be- I'm like, please, I don't know if I can handle feedback from you, Mom. And she was like, don't worry, you'll hear from me.
1: Shit. We can't wait. <laughs> Kathy, we're so glad to have you. We feel so hashtag blessed.
0: Yeah, she she told me that I sounded like Anna Gasteyer from the Shwetty Balls sketch from SNL. So oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's her. That's so I appreciate it. It means our microphones are doing the good work. If you are not already
1: a Patreon subscriber, join the ranks of Larry Posner and Kathy Ipema. I mean, and amongst
0: all Kelsey of Kelsey and Monica and
1: Jamie and Ashley who we love.
0: We love, love, love you.
1: We actually we love them more than you. And that's No offense. We have to tell it like it is.
0: We're we're not here to lie.
1: We're here to love, but only our Patreon subscribers. Exactly,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think we're doing this for, our health or because we like it? Or because in the midst of a pandemic, this is the only thing that's given us joy and light and creative outlets. I don't know. How are we going to buy those baby cages without that baby cage money, y'all? If you don't know what we're talking about, clearly you're not a Patreon subscriber.
1: We also just explained it, but... Oh, right. Yeah. I gotta go. (laughs) I gotta go.
0: We're doing doing a new one today. We're, We're recording in the morning.
1: Yeah, why not?
0: I woke up.
1: Should we eat a muffin?
0: I made carry health, m- like muffin. health muffins.
1: I made carry health muffins that have bananas, blueberries, nuts, apples. You don't like nuts? I got a hot tip: leave them out. You know when people are like, "Oh, I don't like nuts." Well, there's this really easy well, adaptation you can do, Julia Child, where you just fucking don't put them in. Do you feel
0: the same thing about people who are allergic to nuts?
1: as i as a former mother of a child that what i can't phrase it he used to be allergic to peanuts now he's not i've been there i know what it's like
0: do you give him i'm eating right now mm-hmm. i don't know if we're going to cut this out but mm. Mm.
1: and we're back and we're back we ate two muffins one each now we're back (laughs) i i have a story for you my story is the story of the smurl poltergeist Ooh! yeah it's exciting right smurl like s-m-u-r-l smurl that just sounds like that poltergeist is angry Smurl. Well, it's to be fair, I don't believe it's actually his name. It's the name of the family he bothered.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah, often you don't find out the names of poltergeists. They're not Sometimes walking around. You do. Ad- oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I got my information from Wikipedia, 1428elm.com, thecobranose.com, the cobra's nose. Hmm. Uh, PoconoRecord.com. And I listened to an interview with one of the people that was in the house, Karen Smurl. And the interview was on YouTube. Uh, and the people interviewing her were the World Paranormal Research Society. It sounds like all these are really reputable sources. Um, when you're studying about poltergeist, <laughs> these are the sources that are available to you. I <laughs> did not find anything on JSTOR.
0: That's the thing about paranormal. For some reason, a lot of papers don't print it because they can't, quote, verify the facts. You
1: know what? They were all very useful places to look, and I'm proud of my research. You know what? And I stand by it.
0: <laughs> I barely stand by my research. <laughs> <laughs> story. Let's, uh, wait. Wait, by the way, you're listening too. Truly, Darkly, Creeply, Creeply. that's Carrie Ippema. And that is
1: Quinlan Posner. And you're about to become a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> and write a review. And away we, we go! go! Jack Smurl met his wife, Janet, in 1967, and they were married just a year later. They- <laughs> <laughs> What's the voice? It's like a game and show? Then we
0: went here.
1: It's <laughs> It's a, it's a newspaper anchor. And then she met. Both Smurls were raised in Catholic homes and they had strong religious beliefs. Jack served in the Navy. In, in, <laughs> in, in, in the Navy. In the Navy. In the Navy. And became um, a neuropsychiatric technician. I don't know what that is. Sounds hard. Sounds.
0: I bet it's boring. someone who, like, I bet it's someone who monitors, isn't the surgeon but like it's the technician to help run studies and tests. Yes, we'll go with that. Great. They lived in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and then Hurricane wilkes Barry. I'm sorry. Oh. It is Barry. I performed there. Oh. wilkes Barry, Pennsylvania. Delightful.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um they lived there and then Hurricane Agnes flooded their home in the area. They had to move. Oh. So, um Jack's parents, uh John and Mary Smurl, bought a Double block house, you it's like a duplex. A double wide. Oh, no. yeah. It's and a duplex. Okay, gotcha. They bought it for eighteen thousand dollars. Was that expensive at the time, or was that cheap? I have no idea. It sounds cheap. And his, it's a double wide. Hello.
0: Well, a double wide, I think, is a trailer. I think. Oh, I this think is a it, double house. It's a duplex. Yes. So,
1: um, the grandparents live on one side. The parents and the kids live on the other. And they are friends. They're happy to live together. They're doing just fine. The first 18 months they live there, everything's pretty chill. Q. Weird music. January 1974. A strange stain appears on their new carpet.
0: And. (laughs) Sorry, that's just like me lying to my parents. It wasn't me. (laughs) Well, that's the thing.
1: All the things that start to happen are very easily explained or. Easily enough, explain that when you're living in a house and you have kids and there's enough people, for instance, they'd be, they had pipes that they'd fix and then they'd break again. Their TV set bursts into fire, but they're basically like, it's the wiring, it's the pipes, and they'd fix them and then they'd break right away. But it's the Hmm. vibe of like, maybe the house is just shit. But things would happen like when they were fixing stuff where they'd be fixing something and they'd like set down a wrench and then they'd turn a few minutes later and it would be gone. Mm. But everything there, I think everything they experience at the beginning feels like, am I weird crazy? Thing. Yeah. So it's also the kind of thing that you don't even turn to the your husband or your wife or your kid and say, like, this just happened. Like, no one's even talking about the weird phenomena they're experiencing because they are right. not viewing it as phenomena. They're viewing it as absent-mindedness or the house just being an old house. But the new, there's a new sink and bathtub in their bathroom, and scratches appear on it. It looks like an animal was in there. Um, And there's woodwork in the bathroom that just got painted and some scratch marks end up on that. Their oldest daughter, Dawn, who is a little kid at the time, says that she sees people floating over her bed. Again, she's a little kid. They don't think much of it. Then in 79, they have twins, Karen and Shannon. Karen is now 38 years old, Oh, I can't do that math. She's probably not 38. She was born in 78.
0: Oh, I'm like saying now, 1978 minus 20, 21, 20, like 2020, 20 minus math. 78. So that's going to be...
1: She's 43. Or two. That was fast. Are you um, sure?
0: I don't think that's right, Quinn.
1: 78, 80, 42,
0: 43. I, I, I didn't even I, try. I stand by
1: that math. Um, <laughs> Karen, who's now 43, she was born in 78 works as a social worker and occasional paranormal investigator. Which You know what, though? If stuff like this happens to you when you're a kid, I think it imprints. And I think later on you're like, I believe in this and I want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. She said that what happened to her family was what inspired her to pursue helping people that had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll get back to Karen. A couple more years go by and now the darn toilets start flushing themselves. Which,
0: that feels considerate. The worst is. Yeah, know. I'm going
1: to be honest. In my house, I would like this poltergeist to come visit my house because my husband forgets to do that enough that he could use a friendly poltergeist to come assist. Does your husband on a toilet forget flush.
0: or is he of the. If it's yellow, let it mellow?
1: Brown, um, flush it down? He's definitely a forgets because it can be of any color. Or variety. Wow. And I will be sometimes left with a. Just a huge turn. Marcel. Remember Marcel from <laughs> our last podcast? Uh, he, maybe he's a
0: Copperfield or whatever
1: they're called. <laughs>
0: he's into copperphilia.
1: Um, sometimes appliances are going off and on of their own accord. Rocking chairs are rocking.
0: Then <laughs> the stinking and
1: starts. And the stinking starts is not, as we said, the toilets are flushed. So the stinking is a big question mark. But the family's all like, what is that smell? Karen was a little girl. She's the one that I heard in the interview. So she talks about how when she was like four or five years old, there was a thunderstorm and she was scared and ran into her parents' room. And she saw figures floating above their bed. And she's so young when it happened. She remembers seeing it and not thinking anything of it. Not like... Not waking them up and saying anything. Like, I think when you're a kid and you see stuff like that, you just accept it, I guess. You're like, well, it's oh, like we this talked is about.
0: Well, we also talked about how you're taught, kids are taught to smell disgust. Like, disgust is a learned behavior. Fear, fear is, I think, too, is too. and too. what to be afraid of. Exactly.
1: She used to tell her mom um, that there was a shadow man or a man at the foot of her bed, or she'd call him the man in the box because she had a toy box at the foot of her bed. So she'd be like, the man in. The box was here, oh. and she would ask her mom, "Like, who is he?" Um, she would hear voices at the foot of her bed, couldn't make out what they were saying. But she also says in the beginning they weren't talking a lot about all their shared weird experiences. No one wants to admit it, and the parents don't want to scare the kids, and mm-hmm. the kids um, either don't think it's that weird because they're so young, or. It just took a long time for them to collectively start sharing their experiences with each other. It was a sort of progression, right? right? But then things start to get crazier. Jack feels something touching him sometimes, like an unseen hand. And the phenomenon start to get more sort of sinister. The house starts to have those cold spots that you sometimes hear about with stuff like this. John and Mary, the grandparents, can hear loud, abusive language coming from... Jack and Janet's side of the house, they're probably like, oh, they're having a fight. But it was like, no, they're not. They're not arguing. Janet hears her name being called while she's in the basement doing laundry. But then it turns out nobody's home. And a couple days later, they end up seeing a sort of black human form with no facial features. She sees that in the kitchen. And it dematerializes through a wall and then appears to Mary on the opposite side of the house, Hmm. the grandma. Wow. So from that point on, the hauntings get kookier and crazier. A large ceiling fan crashes and almost, like, kills Shannon, one of the little twinsies. That was right around the time that their sister Heather is 13 and she's about to be confirmed into the Catholic religion. So I think they sort of link it to this... Maybe, like, anger around that. While Janet and Jack are having sex, Janet gets, like, pulled off of him. Whoa. And he's, like, paralyzed, can't move. Oh, this is going to disturb some of our listeners more than any of the previous stuff. The family's German shepherd gets picked up and thrown across the (gasps) room. Simon is his name.
0: It's a good name for a dog.
1: That also happens to Shannon. Side note, the child. <laughs> she gets, like, thrown Why down they, the like, flight of stairs. Why are they, like,
0: Shannon, the fucking fan, and then throwing her? Yeah.
1: And the neighbors are hearing the same noises that the grandparents are just, like, crazy yelling and obscenities coming from inside the house. But it would happen when the family wasn't even home. So at this point, they're like talking about it they're all like there's something going on with this house we've got to figure out what to do so in 86 who are you gonna call
0: lorraine and ed
1: indeed warren you have to call them i mean you they are the to. ghostbusters they are
0: the ghostbusters <laughs> um they are our
1: psychical research and demonology pals they're from connecticut and they, they also show up. Have a
0: museum yeah shameless
1: plug <laughs> They show up with Rosemary Fru, who's um, a registered nurse and psychic, and they do their, like, sorry, intro. Like, what? A nurse she, and a psychic?
0: She's a registered nurse and a psychic. She's not a
1: registered psychic. I don't know how you register to be that, but she is a registered nurse.
0: <laughs> I just love her, like, RN and psychic. <laughs> That's really Her like resume
1: good- is long. They do their, like, intro quiz that they do where they're like, are you religious? Have have you practiced Satanism? Do you own a Ouija board?
0: Do you have a poltergeist? Yes. (laughs) They do that.
1: And they walk through the house. And they're basically like, we think this bedroom closet is um, a crossover point between two sides of the duplex that spirits can go through here. And we detect four spirits in this house. And three are kind of like ghosts. Like m- minor ghost spirits. Yeah,
0: leaving stains, making cold spots, not aggressive. Maybe
1: just being ghosts. And like yeah. the fourth is a demon. Ugh. But the demon has been dormant maybe for a really long time. But then, um, I hate that they said this, but then because the older girls are going through puberty, it's creating like <laughs> a, a shitstorm. <laughs>
0: Why do we blame women? It's a pretty medieval
1: Why? conclusion to like, come totally. to. Totally, it's
0: like, oh, the women are going through the change. Blood yeah. is coming out of everywhere. Why didn't you it put, put them the in the a, a period tent in the yard instead of letting them sleep <laughs> in the house? Sorry. I think they just mean like, are they watching Big Mouth? It's just like hormone monsters. Yes, <laughs> that's fucking. Lorraine, come on, do better. Well, so Lorraine, Lorraine and I are like, we
1: got to draw the demon out. Let's play some, like, religious music. Let's put on some creed. Let's confront <laughs> it with prayer. And the demon reacts by, like, violently shaking shit in the house, like the dresser. And it ends up um, spelling out, you filthy bastard, get out of this house. That sounds like it could have been Kevin McAllister. I don't know. So then something really bad happens.
0: What? Is Simon okay?
1: Do you know what a succubus is?
0: Isn't a... I know the band Incubus is the opposite, but a succubus is...
1: (laughs) It's a female demon that has sex with guys while they're sleeping. So this (sighs) old woman with young woman body and, like, red demon eyes and what was reported to be green gums, which sounds very unhealthy, rapes Jack. And... (sighs) <sighs> wow. An in incubus, not the band, sexually assaults women. Janet. Ed, meanwhile, gets sick from flu-like symptoms, which sounds like, how are you complaining about that, Ed, while people are being raped? Like, <laughs> you have the flu? Um, pig noises are heard in the walls. That sounds so creepy. So they're, they try to get help from the church, but people at the church are not returning their calls. They're like, mm, they're busy. which is annoying because they're actually really good, like
0: reliable church
1: going members um but they're reaching out to the uh the roman catholic diocese of scranton (laughs) they're like can we have permission to like do exorcisms and people are like no it's no. For the um, Catholic
0: Church who like talks about exorcism and stuff like that, they, they really they don't they like they to reform re- they them. They don't like them. They're, um, not, they're not, it's not on their list. Well,
1: the Warrens find this this father or Bishop McKenna, uh, he's like this rogue priest that does what he wants. He does whatever he wants. He still does like his mass in Latin. He Hell just yeah. does what he wants. Go McKenna, go. He's old school that way. And mm-hmm. he's like, I like exorcisms. Like, I'm into them. I'll totally do an exorcism. I've done like 50. So he comes. <laughs> they're off the
0: books though. Don't tell my boss. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell the pope this is off the books
1: he comes to do one uh and it just pisses the demon off more
0: well he wasn't sanctioned by the fucking pope
1: yeah the haunting continues karen gets really sick and almost dies dawn (gasps) one of the older daughters is almost raped which we know this spirit is a rapist spirit. So Gross. Janet and Mary get, like, marks all over their bodies, slash marks on them. Everyone's fucking depressed and having a hard time. There are apparently stages to demonic takeover, sort of like stages of grief. So there's infestation, oppression, possession, and death.
0: <gasps> so you
1: really don't want this stuff and so to right accelerate. So right now they're like, getting to Possession? They're at oppression. Okay. So they're they. it's not looking good. Possession no. is up next. Oh. That weird bishop, old school bishop, um, performs another exorcism. It doesn't work. They're like, should we just move? But they end up going camping in the Poconos. And guess what? The spirit fucking comes with them. No. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to go camping
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the Poconos? It sounds great. I mean, I love a camping, but not everybody does. The spirit also goes with Jack to work. So he's not picky. They're just like definitely Spirit being followed. with them
0: to work. They're
1: yeah, so it won't fix it if they move, and the church is still not helping them. So they're like, what should we do? Let's go on TV. So they're <laughs> like, okay, and they go on TV to talk about it. The demon gets pissed about that and fucking levitates well, Janet and hurls her against a wall. It's getting physical, physical. physical. It already it's was. It's
0: all paranor- paranormal. <laughs>
1: It appears to Jack as, like, this crazy pig that can stand up on two legs. A human hand comes up through a mattress and grabs Janet. No. And again, Jack gets raped. About these rapes, Karen in the interview talks about how her sister went into her parents' bedroom after one of them one night. And the dad had, like, sticky demon jizz all over him. What? And she saw it and he was crying and the mom was holding him <gasps> and it's just really sad. So she's like, this is real. And she points out what man would lie about that. Yeah. Because he gets so made fun of and it, it, it feels like um, it would not be your top choice lie to tell as like, A religious dude that you were, like, raped by a demon. Right?
0: This is horrifying.
1: Yeah, it's really scary. In 86, they do an interview with an independent newspaper. They end up hiring a medium, Mary Alice Rinkman. She examines the house, and her findings are, like, right in line with Ed and Lorraine. She's basically, like, there's four dead people in this house. One cannot be ID'd, so... We can call him Ghost Doe. Ghost (laughs) Doe. Like John Doe. No,
0: I got it. (laughs) Okay. And then
1: there's Abigail. Yeah. She's like an old woman. Um, And then there's a guy named Patrick who has a mustache. That's, we know that. He also murdered his wife and her lover and then was hung by a mob, she says. So he sounds a little bit violent already. But then the fourth is definitely... A fucking demon. And that's the issue because demons can also apparently use, like, act through the ghosts. Like, use the ghosts to, uh, like, peer pressure them into doing bad stuff. Peer pressure, it never ends, even in the afterlife. Aw, man. So they're getting all this press coverage because, like I said, they're getting more attention. The good thing is it actually does push the Scranton Diocese into action and they're like, okay, 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 we'll help you. We'll investigate the house. Father Tribold comes in to take a look at everything. He does not like the Warrens. He's like, not into them. He says of they weren't sincere, were not what they purported to be, and were given to sensationalizing. He says he started going to their lectures, but that he says when they would see him in the audience, they would tone down their quote, like, act, basically. Right. Um, And be less sensational about it. So he keeps going to lectures and starts wearing disguises. (laughs) I mean... It's a little kooky. Several priests end up coming in. It feels like in. it's also
0: like, why are you going to there? Like, why don't you help this family as opposed to like hailing yeah, Ed and Lorraine, who are like <laughs> just trying to profit off of something like Truly. this? Like they have a fucking museum now.
1: So a bunch of other priests come in and are doing blessings on the house, but they're saying that they they don't sense any harmful activity. One of the local diocese spends a couple nights there and is like, yeah, nothing really happened. Janet Smurl, meanwhile, is like, there's an unidentified priest that has come here and performed three unsuccessful exorcisms, and that the demon is avoiding the exorcisms by moving between the, houses? the two houses, like, hiding out there. It also just seems really weird that there's this unidentified priest... Um, Are, you sure it's not the Are you sure it's not McKenna and they just don't want him to know because he's a rogue priest? <laughs> or it might be somebody. It might be this guy wearing a disguise. Maybe it's Trebold <laughs> and he's got like a great disguise on again. If you get an exorcism performed, you should ask to see a priest badge or whatever. Yeah. Because maybe, maybe it's not even just, a priest. If they're
0: not wearing their collar,
1: no. Nope. Got to see that collar. Um. So Bishop McKenna, our friend, comes again and does his third exorcism on the house. Everything's chill after that for like a few months but then right before christmas jack sees that black form Mm. again and he has like this feeling that it's going to overtake him so we're like basically we're about to get possessed we're about to get possessed so he's like grabs his rosary wards it off and avoids it the smurls at this point are like the press won't fucking leave us alone but also let's write a book you can
0: feel two different ways about something i guess
1: Mm -hmm. so
0: they write a book with ed and lorraine i have a feeling ed and lorraine were like you know what you should do write a book
1: yeah definitely so they do and they're like the tony robbins of they (laughs) end
0: (laughs) but but (laughs) they
1: yes oh they're totally tony robbins you can
0: make this you can have control of your life i'm ed and lorraine warren let's get sanctified
1: (laughs) 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 so they end up moving, even though they are like, it's probably not really gonna help. Um, so they move back to Wilkesbury. A woman moves into this home, Deborah, mm-hmm. and she's like, Nothing's weird, nothing's happening. So it feels like the spirits are maybe more attached to the family than they are to the home.
0: Okay. Did they follow the family, to Barry?
1: Yeah, I think some weird stuff still continued to happen there, but it's harder to find details about that. But I know that Karen talks about how weird stuff still happens to her and has happened to her family uh, after leaving. Karen also says, though, that it was the house. Like, even though the spirits followed them, that t- she says that there was a lot of tragedy in this house. Um, there was a murder... There was a man that choked his wife because she was having the affair. I think that might be referring to Ghost Patrick.
0: Yeah. Mustachioed Um, Patrick.
1: Mustachioed Patrick. Neighbors said that an old woman had lived there and that she didn't work. Her husband did. Her husband died. She didn't have any money. So they were – she had to get evicted. And when she was getting evicted, she was saying she was going to curse the home. Mm -hmm. So there's some interesting things like that. There also is an old deed to the property. And on the deed, it says that they're not responsible for harm caused by creatures. And Karen's like, look, that could just mean it was farming land or something and it was about animals. But the way it reads, it could actually mean that they knew there was some sort of spiritual activity there. Like I said, she's now a paranormal investigator, and she says that she gets a lot of calls in that area. So it could be something with the land in general. In 1991, a two-hour made-for-TV movie called The Haunted was released by 20th Century Fox, and it was written by the Warrens and the Smurls.
0: So if you're interested, locate it, find it, Locate watch that it. movie. Ooh. I wish it was Halloween all over again so we could watch it. Ooh, we'll watch it next Halloween. Okay, deal. We'll watch it. Other than some of the other movies we watch, whoa!
1: And we'll eat candy corn.
0: Ooh, the peeps of Halloween. <laughs> Love them or hate them, we don't know. Do you I like them? D- hate them? Yeah, some people don't like them. Hate them, him, but tis the season. Tis you've got to do what you've got to do. You got to shovel them into your mouth. I could do a candy corn. I could rock a candy corn with popcorn. So like a salty sweet. <gasps> oh,
1: a mix.
0: <laughs> oh, I think or you like just sold like me on it. A salted peanut too. Throw a peep in there. Throw a peanut, <laughs> throw bits of peeps, just like <laughs> let it all stick to it. Use it as like kind of a, a way to, it's like a an spoon. injera. <laughs> it's like an Ethiopian <laughs> spongy bread. Okay. Question. That's the story. Yeah. Wild. Do you believe
1: them? Do I believe them? Uh Yeah, I have to. I have to believe them because. I um, also just, there's so many. The weird... rape is so like. Intense And, like, what Karen says the sister saw and the fact that the dad was, like, I keep getting raped by this demon, it seems like a really intense thing to lie about. Totally. And they didn't – everyone's always, like, they're lying to make money. They didn't make a bunch of money from doing this. They never do. <laughs> None of these people
0: that had this happen, like, walked away rich. The only people that walked away rich are Ed and Lorraine Warren, who fucking were, like,
1: who's got creepy stories? That's we're a going- good question. We're Ed and Lorraine rich we got to learn more about them. They've,
0: like, acquired a lot of creepy shit, which costs money to do so. And it sounded like they had these performances that this priest is going in disguise to. Right. So I bet they fucking had a... I, they were the Tony Robbins. I stand by it. They're, they're Tony Robbins of the paranormal world. All right. So I got this information from Wikipedia. Biography, bustle, historian.com, Time Magazine. This is a story of Lisa Marie Nowak. Once I start telling the story, you're probably going to know exactly where I'm going with it. But I'm going to give you some background information of Lisa Nowak. She was born, I think, in 63. So place that time. Give her a haircut. All this good stuff. And in 1969, if you remember, that is the moon landing. And she's this young girl and she's watching the moon landing. And she's in awe, I think, a lot, like a lot of other Americans were. And she watched it and she was like, I want to be a fucking astronaut. Mm Mm-hmm. That was, like, her fucking goal in life. Similarly, I watched Lizzie McGuire, and I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So we both had, like, so, again.
1: Everyone has dreams. Everybody has dreams. Um, I felt that way when I saw the movie The Craft.
0: (laughs) Same. As a young girl watching this moon landing and seeing it's predominantly men, she followed this, like, space program, um, the space shuttle program, Mm -hmm. And women were finally introduced into the program in 1978. So she grew up obsessing about space and all this stuff and also visiting the Air and Space Museum. I don't know if they had astronaut ice cream at the time, but, like, I imagine her just, like, fucking going apeshit for it. She was a Girl Scout in high school. She was in student council. She was on the math team. She was the co-valedictorian. She was student athlete athlete of the year. So she's, like, fucking doing it. Um, so she gets into Brown and the Naval Academy. And because again, she has this dream of being an astronaut, she decides that the Naval Academy is the best option for her to succeed in her dream. Women were first accepted in 1976 and she entered in 1981. So when she entered, it was the first year that women were in all four classes of the Naval Academy. And it sounds like it was fucking hard to be a part of this, like historical progression into allowing women into these spaces. So women only accounted for 6% of the whole school, and usually they were harassed by men. This is not new information, but I just think it's important to talk about just what she went through. Professors would, in the middle of class, be like, you know, I don't think women should be in this You know, while they were teaching women. Can't even imagine what that must feel like. Um, While she's at Annapolis, she meets Richard T. Nowak, And they start this romance, you know, or they start a friendship and a burgeoning romance. And she graduates in 1985 with a degree in aerospace and engineering. So her first job, she works for the Johnson Space Center as an aerospace engineer at one of their branches in Texas. Also in the same year, she gets accepted into the flight training program in Florida, which is like a huge, really exciting thing, especially... um, Because by law, women could not serve in combat. That was a part of the law at the time. So half of the jobs that she, as a graduate of the Naval Academy, like, she couldn't even be up for. Mm -hmm. So she got into this flight training program, and it was a big deal. And a lot of men who didn't get in were really resentful of her. And they probably, you know, they did the whole thing probably that was like, oh, it's because she's a woman. When in reality, she's just fucking better at that than they are. Better than them. So she nails it. She's flying planes. She's flying special planes. Because I, I'm not going to name <laughs> I the really planes. really like that.
1: She's flying planes. She's flying <laughs>
0: special planes. Well, I think it's, I'm not going to name them because you don't care. It's like a FC three <laughs> fighter jet. Yeah, just like, list, You don't give a shit. List
1: some vowels. She just fucking is some. I'm consonants, not doing it. Throw so, in a number. It's a special plane.
0: So she uh, in 1988, her and Richard get married, and she keeps flying. She qualifies as a mission commander and electronic warfare lead. So, like, she's fucking keeps writing. She's killing it. In 1990, she gets a master's in science and um, aeronautical engineering. In 1992, she has a son. She has more school, and she graduates again in 1994. So, throughout her career, she logs, like, 1,500 hours of flight time in over 30 difficult, or in over 30 different aircrafts. So, she's awarded the defense meritus service medal the navy commendation medal and the navy achievement medal like again killing it 1995 NASA announces we're looking for new astronauts and so she can't apply like someone like a normal citizen she has to go through the navy the navy and be like I want this and they have to review her and then they submit her from the navy so it's mm. like a little different they get thousands of applications and they announced that she's one of 150 finalists. So on May 1st, they announced that there is 35 members of the flight class, 10 pilots, 25 mission specialists. And she's one of the mission specialists. So keep in mind, she's doing this while she has a baby.
1: Oh, my God. She's like me.
0: She's incredible. She's I have
1: children, and, <laughs> and I also podcasting. do a mediocre podcast. It's
0: really we're Honestly, the same. She and I, same class of women. I would be careful of saying that yet, but sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like building her up. So she, they move to Texas, and she starts doing astronaut training, which which um, includes survival training, trips to the Grand Canyon to study geology. Whoa, There's this like, sounds fun. Totally,
1: she's like. I just studying. picture them putting you in that thing that spins. Yeah. And they're like, can you handle this? And you just like barf and are like, yep,
0: got and it. I'm into it. They have to study the space shuttle. Um, there's like weightless water training. You know how they go in the water in our wait list. And then they have uh, aircraft that she flew, which is similar to what you said, which they nicknamed the Vomit Comet. Right. So she finishes training in 1998. 2001, she then gets pregnant with twin girls.
1: <gasps> Tragic.
0: Tragic, but not because, you know what, work-life balance. Her and her husband start switching things off. Then, keep in mind, this is 2001. After 9-11, her husband, who's active duty, or who's in the reserves in the Navy, he gets called to the war on terrorism. So her husband then is um, deployed and so she becomes a single mom with three kids.
1: Gotta get However, a nanny.
0: She's still or fucking a nanny. she's still fucking rising up in the ranks of the astronaut world. Wow. December two thousand two, they announce a crew NASA announces a crew for a mission. She's on the fucking list. Then in two thousand three, February, there was the Columbia disaster. Are you familiar with the Columbia disaster? Not at all. Basically what happened is is this shuttle went up into space Everything was fine. And when they were entering back into the atmosphere,
1: it exploded exploded
0: and all seven crew members died on the Columbia. So it's a part of NASA's policy where if something like that happens, they assign kind of like a bereavement counselor within the program to a family. So... Lisa became the bereavement or the, they call it a personal casualty assistance officer. So she went on behalf of her friend who died, Laurel Clark. And her, Laurel Clark's widower, he was like, she was incredible. She did everything. She like went through all the paperwork, all the finances. She took care of their son. So it was one of her best friends. And like she fucking stepped up in a really profound way. And also this is, well, she had three Of her own kids, yeah. So her trip after this was pushed back. So her trip kept getting pushed back. And in January 2004, she went through a cold weather training in Canada, along with a bunch of other astronauts. And keep in mind, her husband is, like, still deployed or back and forth. But, like, things aren't going great, I think, in their marriage. And she's along with this guy, William Opheline. Part of their training in this cold weather is... They train like in a classroom situation, or like you know they do blah 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 studying, tests, whatever it is, lectures. I don't fucking know. But then they drop them off in northern Quebec, and make them make their way their way back on foot.
1: Whoa! It's like
0: crazy intense survival training where it's like, hey, it's fucking freezing. We're dropping you off in the middle of like Canada. Good luck.
1: Best of luck to you.
0: So her and this guy, William, Opheline, Bill, whatever, they start, they get along really well, and the two of them start an affair.
1: Because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? such a nightmare. She has,
0: like, all these kids. Like, there's a lot going on. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> You just cited having all these kids as a yeah. great reason to have an affair.
0: Yeah, get it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Put it on the list. Sure. So... They couldn't, they had to be super secretive about it because in the Navy, it's like against their code of conduct to have, a, a, you know, extramarital affairs so they could get like discharged. It was like a whole fucking thing. So they were like super secretive. His wife, he was married as well. His wife found emails between the two of them. And so she filed for divorce. So she's out of the picture. He gets a new apartment. Things are going well. He gives her a key. She keeps belongings at her his house. She gets a drawer. Things are fine. In 2004, it's announced the next mission she's going to go on is, like, back in action. I loved this piece of information. Basically what happens is is it's supposed to leave July 2006. July 1st, they eat the traditional pre-launch cake. Oh, cute. And then they get in. Like, they have the walk. They have the, ball, the fishbowl on their head. Yeah, yeah. And then they get in the rocket. And then they're like, oh there's thunderstorms <laughs> no we can't do it so then they're like okay 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 we'll do it tomorrow so then they go i don't know if they got the cake again i feel like they needed a rush i don't know yeah. and so they do this spacewalk, and then they get it and they're like mm, there's more bad weather we gotta go back again <laughs> oh so my god like, this Ooh. is a comedy they like wait a day and then on july 4th it launches at one point that I thought was just interesting was part of her job as a mission specialist was, like, she had to control a robot arm to get stuff to the International Space Station. And so one of the things was she was, like, maneuvering it, and she found there was, like, this like white dot on the camera or something, and it was, they're like, oh, no, did something crack? Like, when we broke through the atmosphere, like, they're all freaking out, and then they realized it was just bird shit. <laughs> Which, I really which is like, good luck. Which is just good luck. Exactly. Um so she like she goes to the International Space Station. She like brings the supplies using the robotic arm. She's doing great. She they make a note that she like doesn't take on anything else that she wasn't trained for. Like she's like, I only do the job that I did. That like, seems like a really good tact to have. I think the like It's still astronauts. They want you to be like a little rogue, a little crazy. A thing I hated about this story is they did three spacewalks in the rocket that she was on. But because of the astronaut budget, they had to sort of like make the spacewalk outfit, not a costume, only a costume. Spacewalk costume, a little bit larger. So any small people couldn't wear it. So all the women were not eligible for a fucking You think that's space a coincidence?
1: That they zero. Percent. I'm sorry if you don't have enough money. Seems like you don't. Uh, seems like that material probably costs a lot. Maybe it'd be Maybe cheaper to, to make, make them it smaller. smaller.
0: You know what I mean? And they're like, we just don't have. We don't I'm have so enough. Sorry, I'm so ladies. sorry, ladies. So the women were too small, so they couldn't do it in space. I'm so she's on to you, space men. <laughs> exactly. On to you. So she spends a total of 13 days in space. It's a two-day flight home. She comes back. She gets, like, a hero's welcome. She goes to the Naval Academy. Like, everybody, she's going to, like, tailgates. It's like a fucking party because, like, this one was fucking in space. So around this time, her affair chills out. She apparently is still calling him every day. And in 2006, Bill starts this relationship with this new woman, Colleen Shipman, and she worked as an engineer in the Navy. Um, Or I think she was in the same world. So he tells Lisa, he's like, "I I can't see you anymore, but let's be friends. And she's like, "Okay, cool, 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 cool. Early 2007, her and her husband get separated. Obviously, things were not paradise in that relationship. She was a big bike rider, so she was training for that. And at one point, Colleen, the new girlfriend, was like, can she move her bike out of your house? Like, she has keys to this apartment. Like, maybe let's separate that. And then at the, around the same time, there was another mission announced for NASA, and she wasn't on the mission. So, like, she was really feeling the sting of that. She decides to go to Bill's house, her ex's house, with the key that she has. And she does what, like, a very curious, probably not an emotionally healthy thing to do, which is she looks through his emails. Aye. And she sees all these emails from his new girlfriend, including like her flight itinerary and all this stuff. So she prints it. She prints out some of the emails, like you do, like you do. And on February fourth, two thousand seven, she packs gloves, a black wig,
1: uh oh,
0: a BB pistol, no ammo, pepper spray, a hooded trench coat. Obviously, the color tan, (laughs) the color of skin. The color of skin. I mean, if I'm not telling you a trench coat, jeans are a stand. Um, Drilling hammer, black gloves, not latex gloves. She brought those as well, but just black gloves, an eight-inch knife. And she drove 900 miles from Houston to Orlando to confront Colleen Shipman.
1: Girl, you don't need a BB gun to confront her.
0: You don't need any of that. You could wait till she's back. You don't could, need co- that darn wig. You could, you know, the question is, why do you got a wig? There's a lot of questions. Why you
1: got a wig, though?
0: So if everybody remembers, this is a point of, like, so there's reports that she wore a diaper. (laughs) You know this story, right? I don't. You don't? No. Oh, this was, like, very famous in the early 2000s. It was, like, this astronaut wears a diaper and drives all the way to confront this girl, this woman. Um, So her...
1: She wore a diaper so she didn't have to... Stop.
0: Yeah. So again, here's this. I don't thing. believe it. There are some conflicting. I don't things. believe the diaper. Her lawyer says no, but a detective at the time, she told the detective that she was wearing a diaper. What happens is, is think about it. In the, in the, in the, in, the, in for, in during, <laughs> 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 during space travel, you're in that big fucking glass fishbowl head and you're like fucking shooting out into space the (laughs) seatbelt sign doesn't turn off when you can walk freely about the cabin got it and they just had cake before so chances are she's gonna have to pee so they do put astronauts
1: in diapers but isn't she but when they're in space not when they're driving (laughs)
0: <laughs> but maybe it was comfortable. She got maybe into it, was, it. She was like into the diaper. I wouldn't be surprised if this male detective was like, well, let's just sit And it was just like a pad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just called it a diaper. had <laughs> never seen a pad before. <laughs> never in his life. But apparently, so other people were like, oh, there was a hurricane in Texas and they were for her, her toddler's diapers in the backseat. Whatever. Either way, <laughs> late night host had a field day that she was wearing a fucking diaper. Okay, but got But also, it. good planning. I'm not mad at it. I mean, I'm mad at her for a lot of things, but yeah, I'm not mad at it. Not the type. So, February 5th, she drives all night. She drove all night to get to you. That's Elaine. Um, February, <laughs> February 5th, she gets to Orlando International Airport. She waits an hour at baggage claim, waiting for Colleen to get off her flight. Because she wrote down her itinerary. She sees Colleen. She then follows Colleen in a shuttle with the black wig and the trench coat. She goes to the airport parking lot. Colleen is, like, walking, and she knows a crazy-looking person, like, <laughs> following her. Like, 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 nice wig, weirdo. What the actual fuck? <laughs> so she's, like, noticing. She gets in the car. She gets her rental, or she gets in the airport. You know, she gets to her car, and she hears footsteps, and she, like, closes the door and locks in. Lisa comes up and is like, I need a ride. Can I get in? And she's like, absolutely not. You can't get in this fucking car. And she's like, please. And so Colleen like lowers the window a little bit. And then Lisa just pepper sprays her into the car. So at this point, Colleen is super freaked out. She gets in her car, backs up, goes to the booth. They call the police. The police then come and they see Lisa putting all of this evidence into a garbage bin, into a dumpster, trying to obviously maybe lose the knife and the pepper spray and the BB gun and ammo. So she's arrested for attempted kidnapping, battery, attempted vehicle burglary, burglary and destruction of evidence. So then Colleen gets a restraining order. And at this point, she's kind of like, who is this woman? The police give them her name and... And she's like, Lisa, that sounds familiar. And I guess her boyfriend, Bill, had at one point called Colleen Lisa while they were having sex. And so she's like, wait, what's going on? Because she didn't know her. She just knew her bike was there. Wow. And so she calls her boyfriend and he's like, uh. (laughs) Is this your ex? Oh, no. Mm. Oh, no. So, of course, like, this is when, like, craziness and not craziness. Craziness was her driving to fucking... Florida. In a diaper. In a yeah, dipe. Craziness. Craziness has, has already happened. We're there. So she gets a restraining order for Lisa. um And then when they were like interrogating Lisa, they were like, Are you in a relationship with this Bill William guy? And she was like, um More than work, but less than romantic. <laughs> <Is there laughs> justification of it. She's like, I just wanted to talk to her, is what she said. She's like, I just wanted to talk to Colleen. So she was released um, on bail, but she had to wear a GPS tracker and not contact shipment, obviously. And then when she was released on bail, then Orlando came and they're like, "Um, we're adding charges for attempted first degree murder because they were like, she's getting out. We don't want her to get out. The judge just raised the price, $10,000, and she got out on bail. She flew back to Texas and was admitted to the for medical and a psychiatric evaluation On March 7th that year, her assignment with NASA was terminated and they kicked her back to the Navy. And the Navy kind of had her working there while they were awaiting the results of the trial. Um, Because it's kind of a confusing thing where, like, we talked about this last week where it was like, when you work in, I think, the military, their judicial system or, like, the way they handle things are just, like, a little bit different than, like, civilian court. Mm Mm-hmm. What's pretty interesting about this moment is it kind of was the first time an astronaut... I mean, think about it. Astronauts have only been up in space since, I mean, not that long. And this was happening in 2000. This was the first time an astronaut was arrested and charged with a felony like this. And it brought to light a lot of the issues with, like, mental health within the astronaut world. Because what happened was is they knew... You work so hard to get to be an astronaut Mm -hmm. that if you're like, I'm feeling depressed... That is the potential to totally derail. derail your career, stop any sort of dream that you have. And, like, there's also this conversation, too, of, like, she just got denied another mission and she's working her whole life towards this goal of being an astronaut and goes up once. And, like, people apparently – like, Buzz Aldrin even talks about how it was, like, you come back and you're kind of like, what the fuck is the point? What now? What fucking now? So the some changes started happening – Within the NASA world, where it was like they needed to add psych evaluations. I mean, they had a psych evaluation, but they needed to add like mental health training for all of their surgeons and doctors. That April, that April, more evidence was released, and in that evidence, they found that she had obviously handwritten Colleen's Shipman's flight information, and she also had a list that she listed, and it was like. Sneakers, plastic gloves, contacts, cash, an umbrella, and black sweats. They also found a floppy disk that contained two photos of Lisa riding a bike. She really liked her bike. But then they also had 15 images of, like, women in different states of undress, and a lot of them were Mm bondage-themed. She had $585 in cash and 41 pounds. She had four brown paper bags with 69 orange pills in them. Nobody identified the pills.
1: Well, that's weird. Weird. Might um, want to run those through a, a little test.
0: Right? Or just a suggestion. But again, like I feel like they lock it down and you'll find out. But she had a phone that Bill had got her and she'd like called him a hundred times. So she pleads not guilty to all of this, Lisa. She's holding on to her so that she's like just went to like say hey, and maybe have a chat. Just with a quick pepper spray chat. I mean, just maybe pick up the phone. Also, it's allegedly a pepper spray because it, she pled guilty to other things. So there was talk about her pleading insanity. And at this point, two psychiatrists diagnosed her with OCD, Asperger syndrome, major depressive order, and a brief psychotic disorder. In October 2009, she pled guilty to felony burglary and misdemeanor battery. So... From that guilty plea, she was sentenced to a year's probation and two days in jail, which she already served. So no additional jail time. In March 2011, two years after that, she petitioned the court to seal the proceedings.
1: So, okay.
0: So citing, like, family yeah. um, and friends' livelihood. And that was granted. So all these court documents are Sealed. sealed. Which is why there's not a ton of information on them. Uh-huh. Also in September... 2011 she had to go through the navy proceedings after the sentence was rendered they demoted her a rank so she went from captain to commander and they let her off with a other than honorable discharge so not a dishonorable discharge middle but ground other than honorable middling discharge,
1: discharge.
0: she retired with that So, obviously, after this, it became super famous because of the diaper allegation, which is why (laughs) I wanted to look it up, because I knew of the diaper astronaut driving, but I didn't totally know the full story. That's quite a visual. It's really a visual. And I, I also am just, like, really amazed at what... What sort of, like, groundbreaking things she did as a woman early on in the space program when it allowed women. So, obviously, she struggled struggled to find jobs and stuff because of the notoriety of this case. But her attorney recently – she doesn't do any interviews. Her attorney recently was like, she's doing well. And Bill and Colleen, they got married. They live in uh, Alaska. And far as fuck far from anybody. As fuck away, she's like a young adult writer, and she is still freaked out by this. Like, she says she still checks over her shoulder. This definitely has an effect on her. And there was obviously a People article about this. and Obviously. Um, someone asked her, to Colleen, did you forgive Lisa for what happened? And she said, quote, she committed a crime. She was convicted. She finished her sentence. I'm not sure there's anything really for me to forgive.
1: Okay, so
0: that's the story of you're a bigger Nilek. man than
1: I am, Colleen.
0: I don't know. Colleen didn't forgive her. Colleen was like, "I don't have anything to forgive. Yeah. She did her time, and I am not commenting on that." Yeah, I nope. But her and Bill are married now.
1: She's also like, "I'm not going to say anything negative about that psychopath. <laughs> She's going to come after me."
0: <laughs> I think it was this person who had like undiagnosed shit and like fucking just was at a breaking point. Again, like, this idea of mental health and what that looks like is really interesting. And then I feel like she was someone who worked so hard and did everything right. And it got to, like, a breaking point for her where, like, she snapped. She think she had three kids that she was doing while she was doing all this, like, astronaut training. What the fuck? It's too much. It's fucking too... God
1: damn much. I have two kids in a podcast, and I know I have to get rid of one in the next year.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed it's the kids. Fingers crossed
1: it's the kids. One of the kids. <laughs> no. Not the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the kids. I'm just deciding which. Yeah. I hope you hear that, kids. <laughs> uh, I was no, you... telling Carrie that I think of Griff as a little king and <laughs> that Matt and I are his servants, and he just watches us and laughs. And he does.
0: He He's, does. Yeah. I've seen it happen. He does.
1: Yeah, he thinks it's funny. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> the cute kid. Well, thanks oh. for that story.
0: I know it was not the most truly darkly creepy. No, it was
1: a totally great story. I mean, any story with a diaper, I'm there for.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm bombarding you so with I'm diapers. I'm not getting enough
1: of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, can thanks I for my listening, muffin? dear
1: readers. Carrie released to finish her other health muffin. Um. <laughs> So like how you call them health muffins. Listen, they've got fruit. They've got nut. They, you know. Oh, here's instead of flour, you grind up oatmeal in a coffee grinder. Is that
0: what you do? Yes. It's
1: health. It's
0: pure. What health. What if you don't have a coffee grinder? Go fucking buy one. They're they're like ten dollars. Why are you yelling? Oh my god! Did <laughs> I tell you? I got a pour over coffee thing. And I, you mean like a French press? What's no, a pour over coffee It's thing? like something you put over a mug and you put coffee grounds and you pour water in it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because I don't make a lot of coffee, but if I do, it's like a cup. That's or like... how Matt's dad makes coffee. So I ordered it from Cost Plus, uh, World Market Cost Plus, and for like $7. And I went and I walked over to pick it up and I was looking and I got it home. I also bought an apron. <laughs> Why not? And I got home and I looked in... The coffee thing and there's supposed to be a hole at the bottom it's completely filled in <laughs> so, wait that's useless why would they it is 1000% useless so now <laughs> i have to and i don't want to walk all the way over there
1: again because it's cold i don't want to fucking walk. but any, you can't use that for legitimately anything anything maybe like a weird tiny cup to drink from
0: that's like really wide, and like has top. like a weird
1: handle. That's really strange.
0: Yeah, that's so a big manufacturer's it's problem. It's Literally, you had one job. You had one fucking job, <laughs> and you didn't make a hole at the bottom. God damn it! That's terrible. It's okay. I'm wearing diapers, so it's fine. <laughs> that made no sense. Is there sense, an but instance where bad. you ever would wear a diaper? Absolutely. Name it. Um, After you have a child and you're peeing everywhere. Um, Listen. (laughs) I also probably wear a diaper when I'm, if I'm incontinent as an adult.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have no choice, I guess.
0: I do have fear of peeing because I've been burned before. (laughs) I don't have a fear of peeing. I think it's important to note I don't have an actual (laughs) fear of peeing. Pee-phobia? I I don't have phobia (laughs) Uh, Because I I pee... Not trying to brag. I've been peeing by myself for years, (laughs) but I've been burned in that. Sometimes you really got to go. And sometimes an accident happens.
1: That's so true.
0: One time I, oh, it's so embarrassing. I was on the L train platform when I first moved to New York and I had to go so bad. I was by myself and I just peed. And and I was wearing... And I thought nobody could see... I went into a private area and I couldn't squat because I didn't want to get arrested. And... <laughs> and, like, if somebody's is with you, they could guard you. Totally. But if you're by yourself, you're fucked. So you just had to stand up and, and pee and, and...
1: Oh, no. And
0: I get on the... And I was wearing, like, a fedora and a trench coat. It was a tan trench coat, obviously. <laughs> and, and I get on the on the train because I had to go home. And... Oh, no. And I... And I heard people going around me like they knew and maybe it was my paranoia no it totally it's was... totally
1: your paranoia that is not what people would do if and they I had was seen like, that
0: I, I I get out of the and I go to, I went to my boyfriend's at the time and I was just like crying and he like <laughs> took care of me put me in the shower he was like very sweet about it because oh, I literally had peed my pants oh. and anyway, that was like maybe the so I've been burned before is what I'm saying oh also I've had to stop my one woman show in the middle to pee what? I was doing. What did you say to the audience? Oh, I just told him I had to pee. I was doing a show in Omaha, Nebraska. Woo woo. It was a great show. It was two shows back to back, and my show could either have an intermission or not. And because it was two shows back to back, we didn't do an intermission. So I did a full, you know, the full hour, 15 hour and a half show, and it was full. It was amazing. There were so many people there. And then I went on stage, and I was like doing the show, and I was like, doing the first season of Sex and the City, which for me is, like, a 10, 12-minute portion of my show. And I was like, oh, God, I kind of have to pee while I'm doing the show. And then I started doing season two, and I was like, oh, no, I really have to pee. And I peed before I went on, but, again, I just started psyching myself out and, like... Couldn't focus, even. I mean, I could focus, but I was, like, pushing jokes. Like, I was, like, you know, really pushing through the laughs and I remember being like, you know what? I have to stop. I have to pee. Like I can't, I can't good do for this you. show for an hour, and f- I can't do it for another. So what hour. did you do? You and stopped was, at like, a good stopping point. I, I went hope. after season two, not mid sentence. <laughs> after that, after after season two, I stopped, and I usually talk to the audience anyway. Luckily, it's a show that I can break the fourth wall. I looked up, and I was like, I never do this, but I have to pee. And I was like, we're women. We all get it. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, you guys go get some more drinks. I'll go. And so I went to go behind me to get out of the place to go pee. And they had locked me in. <laughs> so then what I had to do is I, I go. I got, so I walked through the audience. And I went around backstage that way to pee. Oh, my God. I love you. And I had I had what a great f- show. I had to fuck it. And then afterwards, I came back. And if you're familiar with Sex in the City, season three starts with all these pee jokes because it was Perfect. when John Slattery wants to pee on Carrie. So I was really having fun with all the pee jokes at the top of season uh, three. But That's awesome. And the technicians were all dudes. And they were like, I've never seen anyone stop a show to pee. And I was like, well. They fucking well, fuck you, jokes on you, and first also first time for everything. Some of the women got up, they peed, they got another cocktail. We were good, we were good. Good for you,
1: good yeah. for you, saying what you want. <laughs> we well, got guys, guys, we uh, we love you, we love you, we miss you, we miss you all the time, all the time, even when you're right here with us,
0: especially when you're right here with us. <laughs> I don't know what that said. I just repeated. It. I didn't know. Bye. Bye. <laughs>